you give us under the Lord tonight, just a couple of announcements. Um, uh, first of all, we will not be having class or service next Wednesday night, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, so enjoy some family time. Hopefully you're going to get a little time off uh, work, and um, so be blessed with that. Uh, next, that's next Wednesday week from tonight. And then um, this coming Sunday night, though, um, it's going to be an awesome time, our 21st annual church-wide Thanksgiving dinner. And um, we'll be making a lot of uh, chicken and dressing and things of that nature here at the church. And so um, you bring uh, side items, desserts, and uh, an appetite and some friends. Amen. It's going to be a great time. And that'll be 6 o'clock on um, this coming Sunday evening. Praise God. If you have your Bibles tonight, open them with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew, the 17th chapter. Matthew, the 17th chapter. Amen. And we begin at verse number 14. Begin at verse number 14. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for participating. As I was meditating on the service and, and praying over the service and, and just thinking about tonight, you know, there, there are actually folks in this room that by the time I'm done with this sermon tonight will have listened to me preach or teach for almost three hours today. And um, so, you know, you, obviously the Lord is stretching us and, 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 and helping us and teaching us and um, anything He says to us is important, but um, especially for those of you who may be a little tired, just believe with me and I'll believe with you and, and um, some really important things tonight that I really am just believing, Father, that we're going to be able to, to receive and, and, and uh, I like to call it taking the ball and running with it. Amen. Amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 14, it says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said to him, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Amen. Well, the Bible says all things are possible to him who believes. With faith, nothing is impossible. Amen. Now, we're continuing our study tonight on a word that the Lord uh, brought up into my spirit uh, some weeks ago, and uh, that word is faithmatics, faithmatics. And the Lord kind of, he didn't kind of, he don't kind of do anything. He either does it or he doesn't do it, right? The Lord corrected me on this. He said that I've been kind of, a little bashful about this and almost apologetic for this and and um, and, he, and he corrected me this this isn't a joke or a game and it's not something funny and it's not even something that that like is is you know to be cute or clever 
but that we need to take this serious. He said, how, how, you know, how can I expect anyone listening to this to take it seriously if, if I am bashful and apologetic and almost, uh, you know, um, treating it like something, you know, that, that's you, shallow, amen, and, that, and that's not what this is. So faith matics, amen, I'm saying it with confidence tonight. And faith matics is to carry out and accomplish by the established manner of faith. Faith matics has to do with readiness, willingness, and eagerness to learn, think, and do things by faith. And we're studying faith matics because we are becoming a faith matician. And a faith matician is someone with extensive knowledge and skills in the use of faith to solve otherwise impossible life problems. Come on now, does that stir you up? Stirs me up. Amen. A faith matician is someone with extensive knowledge and skills in the use of faith to solve otherwise impossible life problems. Now, in the passage that we read tonight, we see that a father brought a demon-possessed son to Jesus' disciples, and Jesus' disciples attempted to cast the devil out of that little boy, but did not. We could say that they um, were not successful in casting the demon out of that little boy. Now, Jesus was not present when this took place. Jesus had separated himself with Peter, James, and John, had went up to the Mount of Transfiguration and was transfigured before them. And a lot of people would point to that and say, well, that's why the disciples couldn't cast the demon out of the little boy because Jesus wasn't there. But that's not accurate. If you look at, at the scriptures, disciples had been given authority over unclean spirits by Jesus. They had witnessed Jesus cast out demons. They themselves had cast out demons. And so clearly, by Jesus' response, this was something that the disciples should have been able to take care of using faith in the authority that Jesus gave them to cast out unclean spirits. Amen. And so we see that Jesus commented on the situation and said that this was a faithless and perverse generation. Now, we spent the last week or so on that one section. I'm going to be brief here. But faithless doesn't mean without faith. It means they had faith, but they didn't use it. Unbelieving is what this word literally means. And that word perverse means that what happened in that situation painted a wrong picture, gave a false account, and left those watching with a wrong impression. In other words, people who witnessed the disciples attempting to cast the demon out of that little boy and, were, and, and they were not successful, Jesus called that perverse, which literally means um, to paint an inaccurate picture. Because the accurate picture is that the demon should have left. It, it left us with the wrong impression. What, what impressions did it leave? Well, I mean, I've got a whole list of them. I'm not here to try to teach on all that. But, 
But it left us with the impression, number one, only Jesus can cast out devils or, or humans can't cast out devils or that sometimes devils leave and sometimes they don't, blah, blah, blah. None of that is accurate. None of that is the truth. But this event makes it look like that's how it is when it's not. That's why Jesus called it perverse because these, uh, this is not how these things were supposed to work. Now, let's, let's look a little closer at what happened here. And the first question I think that we need to answer is why did the demon not leave when the disciples told it to go? This is a different way to phrase the question the disciples asked Jesus. Remember, they asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? Or just to say the same thing in another way, why did it not go when we told it to? And it wasn't because they were in over their heads. It wasn't because they were trying to do something they had no business doing. It wasn't because only Jesus can cast them out. Um, it, it wasn't because demons don't have to obey human commands. Um, it was because of their unbelief. Now, let's get something established before we go any further. The demon should have left the little boy immediately, but it didn't because of the disciples' unbelief. Not because sometimes demons go and sometimes they don't. Sometimes, um, I know that a popular um, doctrine, but it's a wrong doctrine that's, that's established from this is that some demons are harder to cast out than others. Again, Jesus, we looked at it last week, Jesus cast out a legion of demons. This little boy had only been demon-possessed for a very brief period of time, only had one demon. That was a grown man who had been demon-possessed with a legion, many demons, for many years. And the same authority that cast out the legion is the same authority that cast out the one. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself, but listen to me, see. Do you realize to believe anything other than that is some um, a sprinkling of doubt in this whole process? Well, let me just keep going here. The demon should have left the little boy immediately, but it didn't because of the disciples' unbelief. I believe this gives us amazing and powerful insight into faith and the difference maker faith is. We see that the disciples tried to cast the devil out, but the devil did not go. Jesus told the devil to go and the devil left. Okay? Now, here is something very important that we need to bring up on the table. And I'm going to, I'll put it up on the screen if you want to turn to it in your Bible. It's Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 1. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 1. Okay? You still got some energy and, and, and mental focus left. Amen? Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 1. It says, And when he, he being Jesus, called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. 
Now, if you understand the specific and deliberate intentional wording of the Scripture and appreciate that, you'll, you'll appreciate then what's not said here. And what I mean by what's not said here is, what's not said here is that Jesus gave them power over most unclean spirits, but reserved some of the more difficult ones for himself. That's not what I said, right? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that he gave them power to cast out some or most, but over uh, unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness. Remember now, this little boy presented with a sickness but the root cause of that sickness was demonic possession. This was a kind of sickness that had a different kind of cause. But just in case the first part wasn't clear, to cast out power over unclean spirits, to cast them out, and to heal ALL, all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. All means all. All literally means every without any exception. So all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Who gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out? Who gave them power to heal all kinds of diseases and all kinds of sicknesses? Jesus gave them that power. This was something that Jesus had to give and he gave it to them. This power, authority that Jesus gave to them over unclean spirits to, and to heal all kinds of sickness and disease, whose power over unclean spirits did he give them? He gave them their, he gave them his. Right? I, I, I can't give Chuck something that I don't have. I can only give him something that's mine. I can only give him what I have to give him. So when Jesus gave to his disciples power over unclean spirits, he gave them his power over unclean spirits. When he gave them power to heal, heal all kinds of sickness and disease, he gave them his power to heal all kinds of sickness and disease. Amen. So if Jesus gave them the same power over unclean spirits that He had, if He gave them the same power to heal all kinds of sickness and diseases that He had, this means that the disciples were equipped by Jesus to cast out unclean spirits and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. Are you seeing this now? Okay. So... When the man brings the little boy to Jesus' disciples with an unclean spirit, they were not out there flapping in the breeze without anything to use to help this little boy. Jesus gave them, already gave them, what they needed. I'm being silly here, but, but to make a point, does, math, does 10 come before 17? <laughs> Every day, right? Okay. So this is Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, when he gave it to them. Now we see we're in, in, in the 17th chapter of Matthew. So he had already given it to them. Now this is seven chapters later. Now, stay with me. We're going somewhere. This is the same power that Jesus used to cast out the legion. 
Think about that now. The same power that Jesus gave them to cast out the legion, the same power that Jesus had that cast out the legion of demons, he gave that to them. Now, think with me. The power and authority that Jesus gave them over unclean spirits, was it physical or spiritual? It's not a trick question, it was spiritual. So therefore, was it visible or invisible? It was invisible. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable tonight, and I, so just hang with me here for a moment. But for some reason, I'm trying to give you a, a visible image of something invisible. In other words, you couldn't see the authority, but that doesn't mean it wasn't real. You, 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 you couldn't, you, it wasn't physical, it wasn't something you could hold in your hand, but again, it, it, was, it was, if anything, more real than something you could. The Bible says that we've been given weapons to fight a battle with, and our weapons are not carnal, they're not physical, but they're mighty. Jesus did not give them a 9mm semi-automatic pistol to use against demons because it wouldn't work. Because demons are, are spirits, unclean spirits, it's a physical weapon is not going to do anything to them. Are you with me? But now, if you understand if you're a, a, a police officer or serve in the military, what have you, then obviously you're trained in the use of weapons. You're, you're trained to use those weapons. And, and on occasion, you have to draw that weapon and use it. Okay? So I'm wanting you to, in your mind, think of it that way. Jesus armed them with power and authority over unclean spirits to cast them out. He armed them with spiritual weaponry to heal all diseases and sicknesses. Sickness and disease, okay? So they're armed, they're equipped. They, they're locked and loaded. They're ready to go. Now, how do you operate a weapon that is both spiritual and invisible? It's not a trick question. By faith, right? I mean, some of you in here know how to handle a firearm. And again, there's a, there's a, um, a, a specific way, especially to handle it safely, um, that you handle a gun, you load a gun, you prepare a gun to fire. There's, a, there's, a, there's always a safety on that, on that gun that you need to understand. There's different trigger strengths and recoil. And um, Is it a revolver? Is it, is it a single action? Is it, is it is a semi-automatic pistol? You, you, all these things. So if, if, you, if, you were, if you were talking about a physical weapon, you would have to know how to use it and so in the same way, you've been given, the disciples have been given, they were given a spiritual weapon. Jesus armed them, but, but not with a sword, not with a pistol. He armed them with spiritual authority to cast out demons. And the way you operate that, that weapon is by faith. So when, when the Bible says that they could not cast the devil out because of unbelief, 
The, power, the problem was not a lack of power over unclean spirits. The problem was a lack of faith in the power Jesus gave them. Oh, Father, help us, help us understand this right here. Jesus gave them the power. This is, this is so important. It's not, listen to me, it's, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But it wasn't just some type of generalized, um, you know, uh, wheelbarrow load of faith that they needed to get that, that devil out of that boy. They needed specific faith in the power and authority that Jesus gave them over unclean spirits. Let me say it another way. If it was, if it was unbelief that prevented them from casting the devil out, what was it they were unbelieving? And what was it that they didn't believe? What should they have believed that they didn't? They should have believed that the power that Jesus gave them to cast out unclean spirits was enough to cast the unclean spirit out of that little boy. If they didn't do it because of unbelief, this means that they, they, they didn't believe that what Jesus gave them was enough to get the job done. When we know it was. They had the ability to do it, but no faith in that ability or the one who gave that ability to them. The Lord's fixing to help some folks in here. And, and, and this, when he gave me these answers, it, it, it really made sense out of some things. And, and so I'm excited about that. Again, I'm asking you to, to, to really just bring your hearts to attention, okay? There is a subtle but very important point being made here. If you asked the disciples if they believed demons can be cast out by Jesus, I believe every one of those disciples would have said yes. If you asked those disciples if they believed disciples could be cast out by them or by others in the name of Jesus, I believe every one of those disciples would have said yes. Not just because they didn't want to you know, look bad in front of Jesus by saying they, they know or they weren't sure or they had their doubts. They would have said yes because they had already experienced it time and time again. They were eyewitnesses to it happening over and over again. They witnessed Jesus cast demons out of people literally right and left, backwards and forwards and upside down. But not only that, this was something they had done themselves. So they had this belief that demons can absolutely be cast out by Jesus and demons can absolutely be cast out by them and remember the 70 others that demons can absolutely be cast out by others in Jesus name if you'd ask them they'd have told you yes and they could have each provided dozens of eyewitness testimonies for evidence 
And that, my brother and my sister, is what made this so perplexing when the demon did not come out of the little boy. And I believe this was at the heart of the confusion they experienced. Listen to me, please. The disciples believed, given how many times they witnessed it happen, how could they not believe? But what we have here is the difference between a general belief and a specific one. Please hear me. A general belief and a specific belief. There is a difference between a general belief and, and, and a specific belief. And so while they maintained a general belief, where the doubt came in was when it involved a specific one. It is one thing to generally believe demons can be cast out in the name of Jesus. It is another altogether to specifically believe He has given you power over unclean spirits to cast them out. See, again, you ask the average church person today, do you believe demons can be cast out in the name of Jesus? If they've read the Bible, they're going to tell you yes. That's a general belief. And I'm not saying it's wrong. But my brother and my sister, if you haven't figured out by now what we're talking about as faithmaticians, amen, it's going to take more than a general belief to get the job done. A general belief that God can do anything, and since God can do anything, God can move mountains, is not going to ever move a single mountain out of your way. It's going to require something specific. And this is where the unbelief entered the picture. Stay with me for a few more minutes. Their general belief that demons can be cast out in the name of Jesus never wavered. It remained constant and relatively unchanged throughout the whole ordeal. What I mean by that? Their general belief that demons could be cast out in the name of Jesus, they had that before that little boy and his dad walked up. They had that while they were casting the demon out or trying to. They had that after the demon never left the boy. And that part never changed. The general belief that demons can be cast out in the name of Jesus remained unchallenged, unwavered throughout the whole experience. This is why they're coming to Jesus kind of bumfuzzled. Jesus, why could we not cast him out? We believe demons can be cast out in your name. We've witnessed demons being cast out in your name. For crying out loud, we've cast them out before in your name. The general belief never wavered throughout the entire experience. So do you see how confusing this must have been for them? How many of you love Pastor Mark? How many of you still love me after I, after I finish this right here, okay? I have people tell me all the time about folks they know who believed in healing until their final breath but were never healed. I believe much of this confusion goes back to a general faith versus a specific faith. I'm getting quiet up in here. Pastor, I just know about all this because 
And I went to church with this lady, and she was such a pillar in the church, and she was there every time the doors were open. She loved Jesus, been saved 50 years, and she got some bad diagnosis, and she believed in healing and believed in healing, believed in healing, even prayed for other people to receive healing, and, and, and she died without ever being healed, Pastor Mark. See, that's messed up. Leaves a wrong impression. Paints a wrong picture. Makes people think that it's not God's will to heal everybody. Makes people think that somehow, um, some, you know, somehow God will heal some and not heal others. Come on now, it's getting caught up in it. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm trying to help you here, right? Believing God can heal is not the same as believing you already are. If this is a little too close to home for some of us, how about this? Is belief in the existence of God enough to receive His gift of salvation? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm not trying to shock you tonight, but there's a whole lot of people who believe in God but will be in hell. Thank you, Brother Wally. The Bible says the devil believes in God and trembles. A general belief that God exists is not the same as the specific things that a man or a woman needs to believe in their heart and confess out of their mouth in order to receive the gift of salvation that Father God has freely provided for every human being. You can believe God is a healer and never believe He has already healed you. The disciples' general belief about casting out demons was not enough to remove the demon from this little boy. The disciples' unbelief centered on them failing to believe in the authority over unclean spirits that had been given to them. Notice now... Absolutely they believe that demons can be cast out by Jesus and others. That belief never wavered. But the specific belief concerning that child, are you seeing this? This was where unbelief found a crack. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you this verse. Just let me put it on the screen real quick. I, I want to preach on this, but amen, for another time. This was the crippled man that was healed, and everybody was amazed, and this was the answer that was given. I think this was Peter, right, that said this. I, I don't have the context. And his name, the name of Jesus, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him, Jesus, has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. The name of Jesus, right? There's still power in that name to cast out unclean spirits. There's still power in that name to heal all kinds of sickness and disease. And this is what they're saying. But notice, it wasn't just that faith. You know, says, well, he's a faith healer. Well, faith in the name of Jesus. Faith in what Jesus has done. Oh, praise God. 
All right, so let's go back. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, all right? I believe it went down something like this. They told the demon to go, and when nothing seemed to happen, right? So you got it? Little boy, daddy's bringing him. You know, maybe the demon's manifesting. Remember, it, it manifests when Jesus walked up. The devil's always trying to intimidate you. He's always trying to freak you out. He's always trying to, to, to get you on the defensive. He's always trying to, to, to make it look so bad and, 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 and so impossible and all these other things, right? Well, Jesus, like, remember the little boy threw himself down the floor and Jesus is like, how long has he been doing that? You know, it, 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 didn't, it didn't rattle Jesus at all. Don't let the devil rattle you. He's trying to rattle you. He's trying to rattle you. So I believe it went down something like this. The dad brings the boy to the disciples. They told the demon to go, and when nothing seemed to happen or worse, the demon showed out, the disciples began to question and doubt. Remember again, they had not only seen this done before, but had also cast out demons themselves. Now, if I take the remote control to my truck that unlocks the door, it's a 2001 model, it's 18 years old, and I've probably unlocked it, I don't know how many thousand times, right? If I pull out my keys, got my hands full, and I push that button, and the door does not unlock, I fall down on the ground and I cry out to God why He's forsaken me. I throw my keys as far as I can out into the woods. This whole crazy notion that you can unlock a door by pushing a button is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Everybody knows that it's not God's will for every door to be unlocked when you push the button. Is that right? No? Somebody tell me what I'm going to do. I'm going to push the button again. Because I am 100% convinced, fully persuaded, that if I push that button, that door is going to open. And if I push that button, that door don't open. I'm going to push that button again. And if I have to, I'll push it a third time until that door opens. If I have to, I'll go put a battery in that thing and then go push it again and that door will open. Because I know in my heart there's nobody can tell me, convince me otherwise that if I push that button, that door's going to open. But notice now what happened. The disciples pushed the button and the door didn't open and they were afraid to push it again. They pushed the button and the demon didn't go. Uh-oh, what do we do now? Maybe this is something different. Maybe if Jesus was there, he'd have said, push the button again. Remember when Jesus prayed for the man and he was blind and he says, can you see? And he says, it's like I see men as trees walking. Jesus said, come here. Pray for him again, right? Can you imagine Jesus saying, men as trees walking? Well, that's better than what you had for you got here, son. Go on home and be thankful. You ought to be glad God looked to you a second way anyhow, right? No, no. He prayed for him. He received some of his sight, not all of it. Jesus, come here, let's pray again. 
If I may offer for your consideration, and I'll finish right here. Now, you don't have to believe this, but I believe the Holy Spirit told me this, and I'm, I'm going to say that confidently and boldly, and again, you can disagree with me. I asked him, and he was talking to me today about a lot of this, right? And one of the things that he said, and so this is how I'm going to present it to you. If I may offer for your consideration, I believe the disciples were affected emotionally because a child was involved. Come on now, you with me? I was a 911 operator for several years, and obviously there's all kinds of calls and all kinds of people that, you know, when you call a 911, you usually, things aren't, you're not having a good day. And, and so I was on the other end of the line, people not having a good day. And there's a lot of different calls, a lot of different things that I was involved in. But the one, again, the ones that impact me the most, anything involving a child. I don't know why, but it's just different. You still with me? You understand what I'm saying? Anybody ever worked in, it's just something about it. It's different when it's a child. Not that adults don't matter, but there's just something about the innocence of a child, the vulnerability of a child, a child having his whole life ahead of him and all these other things. I believe the disciples were affected emotionally because a child was involved. Things always seem to be more emotional when children are involved. Perhaps they thought of their own children. What a terrible thing for a parent to have to deal with and what if something similar were to befall them. Now, I believe again the Holy Spirit revealed this part to me, but if you aren't sure that's okay, the takeaway here is still the same. Emotions can create a crack that will allow fear, create a crack that will allow fear to slip through, ultimately causing you to doubt. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. We got more to come on all this. Are you getting anything out of this? I'm going to walk you through a fairly extensive list of these things, but let me just, if I could for just a moment. I don't know if you've ever had anybody take something from you, steal something from you that, that was yours, something that you cared a lot about, was very precious to you. I had a situation where, and I'll tell you the whole story Wednesday week, but where a bully on the bus had taken something from me and I asked him to give it back and he, and he said that it wasn't mine, it was his, and that he wouldn't give it back. And I, I wanted Matt, to, older brother, right, I wanted him to do something about it. Chase, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, and I forget Matt looked at me because I was expecting, you know, Matt could be around during those days, you know. I was expecting Matt to just go back there and snatch it away from the punk, you know what I'm saying? I forget Matt looked at me, he says, how do you know that's not his? I said, well, 
I mean, I got one. It was a Bear Bryant hat, houndstooth hat. Philip Rutland, I never forget. Anyway, praise God. I said, well, I mean, I had mine, and now Philip's got it. And Matt said, but, yeah, but how do you, you know, Philip could have. And notice what's happening here. See, I'm, I'm beginning to doubt. See, I'm, something that's mine has been taken from me and I'm demanding it be returned. But now I'm kind of starting to back down. Where's the doubt? The doubt is coming in, right? The question is, is that really mine? See, if I'm 100% convinced it's mine, if there's a serial number on it, I'm going to the mat. You know, not M-A-T-T, M-A-T. I'm out, you know what I'm saying? I'm getting it back, you know. But see, now I'm not, sh I'm not sure. Well, you know, he's right. What if I make a scene, big fight, and wind up, got Philip's name written in it. You know, it was his, you know. Now, it's highly unlikely. For the record, I forgive him, but Philip stole my hat horse. I'm just telling you. Are you understand what I'm trying to say here? See, the doubt, the unbelief that kept the disciples from casting that devil out is they weren't 100% convinced in what Jesus gave them. They, that was where they, that was where the unbelief. Well, you do realize that he's given you a whole bunch of stuff too, right? <laughs> Amen. All right, we'll talk about that in the days ahead. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for a great day today. Lord, let everything we put our hands to prosper for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you.